Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Monday, March 25th, 2019. I'm Peter Tessie on location in uh, just outside of Kelowna in the mountains. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and today's a good day. Rob Gronkowski's out of the league. I haven't felt this good since Pete Mezzalar's retired. <laughs> what did Pete Mezzalar do to you? Scored a lot of touchdowns against the Jets. And I'm Michael Michael Lagello in suburban Buffalo, and it sucks. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, okay, well, let's start with what we ended with on Friday, which I said rather loudly and rather definitively on Friday, and I can say it again now to Philadelphia Flyers fans. It's over. It's done. Stick a fork in them. It's over. Mike, Mike is the face of – it's over for the Flyers. He has been. Yes. And, you know, the Flyers lose 3-1 to the Washington Capitals yesterday uh, to follow up the loss to the Islanders on Saturday. Both, you know, though, you know, I'm not saying this in any particular glee. No. Uh, I'll, I'll just say because, you know, I'm not that – I'm not really not that way. It's just that when you are last overall or last in the Eastern Conference in January – you're not making the playoffs. Even if you go like 22 and one, you're not making the playoffs. So what the Flyers should have done is embraced that and had and gotten a, a, a really good chance of getting a, a really great talent in Jack Hughes. And instead, they went on a pointless run for three months, fooling themselves and their fan base that they were in the playoff race and they were not. So Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I didn't think they were going to beat the Capitals. So I didn't think there was any hope after the last loss. But yet, they still started Brian Elliott. I don't get it. I don't care if you even think there's a one one millionth chance that you're going to do it unless we already know that they've already got a contract with Cam Talbot and Cam Talbot's not going to look elsewhere. We don't know that. So mm -hmm. my, my ultimate gut feeling is Cam Talbot's going to want to play. If he doesn't play, he may not want to even be a flyer no matter how he feels about Carter Hart, that could be what's at risk here now. I mean, Peter, this is what this is how nonsensical it is. A guy who you're not going to resign, who's an unrestricted free agent, who's been hurt off and on. So there's no situation where like you could be improving his value to trade him. He is a UFA. You trade for a guy who was also a UFA, who you purportedly brought in because him and uh, and and. Carter Hart have some sort of relationship off the ice um, to bring him to in to be the veteran guy, to be the stabilizing guy for a young goaltender like Hart. And you don't play this guy. What does he play? One game, Russ? Two? Uh, two. One start, one backup. Okay. So Cam Talbot, since February 25th, has played twice. And Brian Elliott, who they're going to walk away from, has played probably over 10 games. I don't get it. It's so stupid. Oh, don't defend him to me, Mike. <laughs> like, it, it, I, there seems to be such a massive disconnect 
between what's going on behind the bench of the Flyers and what the, the, the management is trying to do. And, I mean, trading for Cam Talbot was curious anyways when it happened. But just this, this sort of idea that you're trying to make the playoffs or maybe you thought you could, so you'll do certain things. Like, what's the actual goal here in Philadelphia? And why is that not trickling down to the coach to say, you know, you need to do it this way because this is what we're trying to achieve. Like, there's so many questions here that, you know, the answers could shed some light. And I just don't know if we'll ever find them out until, you know, the off season and maybe a change is made and stuff. But I don't get it. It's just, it's bizarre. Now, um, the team that the Flyers lost to on Saturday, the Islanders, they 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 righted the ship this weekend by beating beating the Flyers and then beating Arizona two nothing. I watched a lot of that game. Um, it was it, you know I I had a lot of time on sen- Sunday afternoons. So of, of course, I was watching that game, um, and it was it was sort of a dre- it was sort of a dreadful goaltenders duel between Ryan, Robin Leonard and uh, and Darcy Kemper ended up 2-0. But the Islanders get uh, four points on the weekend, and they stay relatively close to uh, the Capitals, now at 96 points for the Caps, 95 for uh, the Islanders. Um, Russ, I mean, they get Leonard back. He was out for a little bit. They went with Grice, and we know that of the two, I think Leonard's had a much better year. I know Grace got a three, uh, one of the three stars last week, but I think if they're going to make any kind of run, if they're going to do anything in the playoffs, it's going to be with Leonard and goal. It's not going to be with Grace. No, it's going to be with Leonard. I mean, I watched how that team played with Leonard, and for the most part, they really stymied the Flyers. The Flyers got a weird kind of carom bounce off the back wall that literally went right into the net practically. So – like even Leonard said, that game should have probably been 5 or 6-1. But the Islanders, again, were just ripping their sticks too tight. They they struggle offensively at times. But I think Leonard's the guy because what, what, what Grice can't do that Leonard can is completely block off both sides of the post. He, he is a guy that hugs the post so well now that with his size, Grice just can't do that. And if his glove is as on as it has been, I like what Leonard Leonard looks like the guy of a couple, you know, three, four years ago. And right now I've got to go with that guy because the margin of error is very slim for the mm-hmm. Islanders in the playoffs in each game. They can't, they can't fall below, you know, they can't go beyond two goals down in a game. If they do, they're probably not coming back. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh is staying close. This is the race right now in, in the Metro of uh, Washington, 96 Islanders, 95. Pittsburgh beats Dallas on Saturday. They're at 93. Um, they're all they're all even at 76 games. Carolina is at 91. They beat Montreal two to one in overtime on I think it was Svechnikov scored, um, and they have a game in hand on all three. So they could move into a tie with Pittsburgh um, when they make up that game in hand. I know Pittsburgh plays tonight against in in New York against the Rangers. Um, no, Russ. I mean, I, I I've not been a believer of Carolina. I thought the goaltending would fail on them. I thought, you know, um, they didn't have enough goal scoring. They've they've proved me wrong. I mean, uh, I I'm a little surprised that McElhaney and Mrazek has stood up, but it has, and you have to give them credit. Yeah, I Mrazek's playing like the guy of a few years ago. When I picked Carolina to come out of it and actually get into the playoffs. I didn't know if it was going to be Morazic. Like I said, I was honest. I thought it would be McElhaney. But I think what's happened over time is with Brenda Moore playing the way they play and, and the way they push the puck down the ice and really 
they're hard to handle in the offensive zone. They have the puck a lot. So I think if the goalies make the key saves, and that's what I was seeing early on, if the goalies make the key saves, they really can stay in games and win games because they do have a good offense. They really have fast players. And Brendan Moore has instilled a lot of confidence in these guys. We knew their decor was good. It's not like yeah. they ever had a bad decor. It was their goaltending undermining everything. Now that it's not, they're a good team. Like they, they're, they've earned everything they've gotten. Exactly. And I think what it is is that we're starting to see that not only are they a good team, they're a dangerous team. And so all the things that people have touted about how great the Hurricanes are with their underlying numbers and stuff are starting to come to fruition on the scoreboard and in the standings with mm -hmm. what they're doing because they're not getting 900 goaltending anymore. Right. And, you know, and, and good for McElhaney. I think um, the guy's had a long road of things and he's sort of finding a nice little groove. And, and since he, I, I saw a tweet earlier this morning that, was saying i can't remember who tweeted it but they were talking about how since he turned 28 he's been a 915 goaltender which is basically just slightly above league average or league average and there's a lot of teams that if they just had league average goaltending look at where they would be and carolina's example number a thousand of what what it means to have just competent goaltending not outstanding well. competent well, I mean, you know, and, and maybe Monday night, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking to to say this, but I, I said it when the decision was made. Um, the decision to keep Garrett Sparks ahead of McElhaney was going to cost the Leafs. And I don't know if it would have made up seven points, but Sparks lost six of seven games. McElhaney had a winning record and a goals against, I believe, of 2.1 and a save percentage in the 930s last year as Anderson's backup. Those those numbers this year would put Toronto probably close to being tied to Boston. The difference in their record, I mean, not to load it all on Garrett Sparks, but you know he was a, he's basically a 500 goaltender with a below average uh, goals against goals against over three and a below average uh, save percentage. So it's you know you have to give credit to McElhaney to be able to play at this this level with a subpar defense in Toronto last year and with a, I mean, not a subpar defense in Carolina, but I think a team that was heavily reliant on their veteran goaltender to make the stop that he needs to make. So, uh, you know, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. This is just a question now, whether they move up to third in the, uh, in the Metro or even higher, or if they stay in one of the wild card spots. Um, the race in the, for the second wild card, but before we switch the Atlantic here, um, Montreal, Beats Buffalo, gets a point uh, in an overtime loss to Carolina. They're at 88. Uh, and as we said, Philadelphia is at 80. So that's eight points. So sayonara. But Columbus uh, is two points behind Montreal with a game in hand. And Columbus won yesterday 5 nothing over, let's see, who was it? Vancouver. That? Vancouver, thank you. Yeah. Um, so now – yeah, they. I mean, that was a rather definitive victory. Now, the thing is, though, I mean, honestly, I look at this. I look at where Columbus is right now, and the way Montreal's been playing going down the stretch. Russ, I'm not I'm not comfortable saying it's definitely going to be Columbus. No, I. You shouldn't be comfortable. I. I still get weird signals out of Torrance, like he's saying now. These are mini seasons. Yarmul Kekalainen sort of threw the gauntlet down. They have the talent. The talent came through yesterday. If the talent comes through for three or four more games, then they probably will overtake Montreal. But 
if Montreal keeps playing the way they're playing, like these perfect road games and and Price playing the way he is, Carolina, I mean not Carolina, Columbus and and Montreal could keep winning, and Columbus could be out of the playoffs. Like yeah. really, Harry Price could yeah. steal the playoffs for the Canadians. Now he's in position to do it. This is Columbus. I I had the Canadians making when we had this chat with Eklund. I said it was, or actually, and I did. I think it was Todd Cordell on the hot stove. We did this, and I think I said it when we were talking with Eck that wonderful afternoon. And I said I think the Canadians are going to push Columbus out. I think, and I Russ, I think you're bang on. Carey Price is right in the position to sort of put this team on his back and close the door. He's just yeah. got to do it. Well, it's a, terrible, it's a terrible position to be in if you're Columbus because even though you may not have 100% faith, like if you're a fan or, or a media person watching Montreal, they still have Carey Price. Well, this is Columbus's remaining schedule. There's seven games at home against the Islanders tomorrow. The big one at home against Montreal on Thursday. Yeah, then back-to-back uh, -back on the road, Nashville and Buffalo uh, on the weekend. And then finishing up at, uh, at home against Boston on Tuesday. And then then on the road, back-to-back, -back, Friday, Saturday against the, uh, against the Rangers and Ottawa. So, I mean, there's some tough games in there. And that's going to be tough games. Yeah. Now, um, I'm just pulling up Montreal's here to see what their – their uh, their schedule is they only have six games remaining. Um, they play at home against Florida uh, tomorrow. The game against Columbus on Thursday uh, at Winnipeg on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> at home against Tampa on Tuesday. Washington on th in Washington on Thursday, and then Toronto. On Saturday at home, and you know Toronto won't have anything to play for. But if it's to eliminate Montreal, I will bet you anything. Babcock will put every every player in that lineup. Oh yeah, there's no question he'll try and do that. We'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting if it comes down to that. Although Toronto's defense is so bad, they may not be able to contain Montreal anyhow. Well, that, I mean that's true. Now, now uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the reality now. Oh yeah, I'm. I, I hey hey. Thank you, everyone, for coming over to my side. Because what have I what have I been saying the last two freaking years? I mean, yeah. come on. Um, okay, in the in the Atlantic, Tampa is guaranteed the President's Trophy, so we won't even talk about them until April eighth. Um, Boston's yeah. at Boston's at 101 points. They've pretty much locked up second place. The Leafs are at 94, seven points behind them. So what this weekend, what the last few games have basically locked into place is it's going to be Toronto traveling to Boston for the first round. Um, it's yet to be known whether Babcock is going to give Anderson any kind of rest. He's playing him tonight against Florida. It, I think it's dumb, but he's going to continue to do it to maybe, uh, you know, maybe a little before the end of the season. Maybe we'll give him, give him a game, a game off. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it, Russ. I think I would alternate your goaltenders right now and give and give uh, Anderson rest. But it, I don't know if Babcock's going to do it. He's uh, probably not. Like I, I don't understand it either. I would do it. <sighs> Babcock's not like that. But I do want to ask a question. Okay, let's. Let's harken back to 1992-93 and just ask the question, what does 101 points get you now? So is this 101-point team better than Vancouver's team in the Smythe division that won the division with 101 points? I say no. I think that Vancouver team was better than this Boston team. 
Yeah, I, I, Peter, you'd have to refresh my memory. I know I'll that the, on it. Hold on. I know that the '94 team went to the final. What did yeah. what did the '93 team do? Did they get eliminated in the second round? I the, think the '93 team got eliminated by LA. LA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough out. Yeah. And, and remember, L.A. was – I think Gretzky was hurt for half of that year. He came back in the second yeah. half or something like that. And, and you know, that, that, that great Cinderella story that everybody in Toronto – Here's the roster. So you had Pavel Bory with 110 points and 60 goals, Cliff Ronning, Jeff Cortnall, Trevor Linden, Peter Nedved, Greg Adams, Dixon Ward, Yerke Lume's on that team, Yuri Slager's on that team, Doug Lister, who would eventually not Doug be on Lister. that team. Kirk McLean. Kirk McLean. Kirk McLean. I think it was um, Kay Whitmore was a backup. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, don't, I don't know. I think Boston has better goaltending, but I think this team is a much better scoring team than I, what Boston has. I like Boston's defense better with, Ch with Chara McAvoy, Carlo, uh, um, you know, Miller. I mean, I think you're looking at the 93 Canucks. Yep. Who else is on that defense? There's someone else. Like Lars Dave Lindgren. Babich. Dave Babich was a hell of a Yeah, a, a veteran. Yeah. Dave Babich. yeah. Not not the Dave Babich who played. Not the Dave Babich who was the all-star in Hartford. This is the post, the, I think the post-Philadelphia Dave Babich, wasn't it? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, yeah, if he played in the play, he didn't play in the playoffs for the, for Vancouver against the Leafs in '94. I don't think so. But anyway, um, I get your I get your point. I'm just saying. Well, they, they, remember, they ended the season at 101. Chicago had 109. If Boston gets a hunt to 109, I would take the Blackhawks team over this Boston team too. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. you know who else was on there that who was actually kind of an underrated um, defenseman, it, tough as nails, was Gerald Diddick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played for Hartford for a while. I think he played for yeah. the Leafs for a, for a few years. Everybody played for the Leafs. Yeah, know. back then. Yeah, true. But, okay, the, the, the only thing on, on the Leaf page that uh, is um, Travis Dermott is practicing. He's probably going to get back in the lineup this week. Jake Gardner is on the ice, but it doesn't sound like he's anywhere close. I think they're, you know, hoping that he can get back in the next two weeks, but I, I, if I, you know, it's encouraging that he's out on the ice. He's wearing a non-contact jersey, but it's different between just skating around and and actually taking contact, especially with a back injury. If you take one hit, you, your back could be done. So, um, I, so I mean, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't think they're going to go into the playoffs playing with 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 a iffy Gardner and play six and play six defensemen. I think if he's in the lineup, they might have to go eleven seven. Um, because you know you could double shift Tavares and, and Matthews, uh, and have your extra defenseman there in case Gardner gets hurt if they play if they play him. They're also uh, apparently going to call up Callie Rosen from the Marlies um, sometime sometime in the next uh, few days um, to give him a look before the before the end of the season. So you know, basically, like I said I'm in my blog on Hockey Buzz, the the blue line is shuffling right now. Um, okay, in the in the West. Um, Winnipeg with a definitive victory over Nashville uh, on uh, on Saturday. Was it four nothing, Peter? Five nothing. Kyle Connor with Patrick. Yeah, no. Uh, I'll I'll ponder the question that you raised in in, the, in our chat. If Nashville bows out early, could that be? Could the axe fall on Laviolette? And I. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know whether they've started tuning out Laviolette in Nashville like they did in on the island or they did in Philadelphia, but you know, they went out and they got Simmons and they got Grandland and they're loaded on defense. And you know, if they if they lose to a St. Louis in the first round, I don't think it's like a, a, a massive, massive upset, but you put two and two together in terms of a team loading up and then losing in the first round. I mean, it is traumatic. We're, we're I, do to, I do have to throw cold water on one thing though, Mike. Yeah. I've been seeing this in texts and, and online. Hey, maybe Levy like gets fired and he goes back to the Flyers. Laviolette doesn't like Philadelphia. He doesn't like the way it ended. He's talked about the way it ended. He barely interviews when he's here. He's very uncomfortable when he's here. He doesn't want to come back and coach this team. Right. No, I mean, I joked about Edmonton, but. I mean, that's that's always a possibility, but I, I honestly don't think Laviolette will lose his job either way. Right. I, I, I mean, I mean, uh, David Poyle is not somebody with quit with a quick trigger finger, you know. No, he, he proved that with Barry Trotz. So it's, you know, they may lose. I mean, if that happens, you know, but I, I don't yeah. think I don't think he'll be fired. But I think there are other coaches. I, I think, I think the, the thing that I, I think has to be concerning though is if if the playoffs started today, it's St. Louis versus Nashville. That's going to be a heater of a series. Yes. Because St. Louis, as far as I'm concerned, they're playing on house money right now. They shouldn't have been here. They're here and they're loose and they're and and Barubi's got them he's got them playing well and just thinking about, you know, he's just done something special there. The and, and Tarasenko's starting to look like Tarasenko again. Um that's that's a that's a deadly situation for the Preds because first of all, say they played Winnipeg first round. Well, if you lose to Winnipeg in six or seven games, you, you, it's not the same stigma of losing to someone who was literally dead last in the whole entire conference at one point and came back to make the playoffs. There's a different thing there, but also let's go back and look at what the Preds have done. Stanley cup finalists out in the second round. Now and then the one the president's president's trophy last year and now are struggling to to stay ahead of third place in in, in the in the central. Um, this is what happens with teams who don't win the Stanley Cup. You tend to not be particularly in the cap era. You tend not to be able to rebound very quickly and come back around and recapture that. And so, what do you do if you're poor? Well. You've got some money coming off the cap in your two acquisitions in Boyle and Simmons, right? And then you've got Yossi coming up for a new deal. But you've got some other players there that, you know, you've got some exposures long-term. You've got to look at the roster, but you've also got to go, if I have to adjust the roster now and make some changes because it's not where it should be to be a cup-contending team, right. is Laviolette the right coach? Like, there's more than just the thinking of Laviolette. There's what do we have to do to get this team back to where it is? Who do we have to who do we have to sign? Well, I mean, just to your just to your point. I mean, St. Louis was dead last in the NHL on January first, and now they're two points behind the Preds. It's nine, yeah. 90 points for the Preds, eighty eight for the blue for the Blues. Yeah. Winnipeg's leading the division with ninety four points. 
to, to your point about them, yeah, and maybe we're, we're pre-disastering things here because we're assuming that they're, you know, that, that Nashville will lose in the first round and they may be, yeah, you know, but, but, but let's just, just like extrapolate from that for a minute, for a minute. I honestly think that if you're asking to, you're asking uh, David Poyle to make a decision between re-signing Roman Yossi, who he's had there forever, or trading, I mean, first first guy I think they would want to trade is Kyle Turris, but the good luck trying to find someone who to take Kyle Turris after having a bad year last year and not exactly a great year this year. He's been in in and out of the lineup. It's gonna be that's gonna be a tough nut to crack in terms of clearing six million bucks. You probably have to take salary back. I continue to think that the guy who's Time is limited there if they want to re-sign Yossi, unless Yossi takes another hometown discount, is P.K. Subban. is $9 million bucks, yeah. and they can trade him. I mean, they can get something for him. They can, you know, they can get top prospects that they want to He's go getting to. a TV show, Mike. They may not want to Who lose their the crap? trust on the, of the TV show. Come on, Mike. Zippity-doo-dah. You know, hot chicken and Lindsey Vaughn. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, but so, uh, honestly, the 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 two three matchups in the West are are killers. I mean, it's you know Nashville yeah. St. Louis is one, and then San Jose Vegas. Yeah, I'm watch. I'm watching every minute of that series. That is going to be oh, a war. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable, and and the and the team that's going to be sitting there just loving it the most is Calgary. Yeah, yeah, right. Each other up. But you know, and it say it's a Calgary, Colorado um, first round pick, which is what it's sort of looking to be. Right. Oh, someone here. Hang on. Put on mute. Don't worry about it. Um, okay. If it is that first round matchup, that's a good matchup for both because neither has spectacular goaltending. Calgary could win that series. Might be a bit of a high scoring series, but I think Calgary can win that series. Well, and it's funny because I look at I look at the two teams that made that big trade and they sort of follow the same pattern, even though one is much more successful Calgary than, than Carolina, but they're both based on, you know, really, really good defenses. Carolina's offense is a little, is a little uh, less than Calgary's because Calgary's got Goudreau and Monahan and Kachuk. Yeah. But the point is, is that Calgary may be the better team in front, but they have that McElhaney and Morazic might be a better goaltending tandem than Rich and and Mike Smith. And I keep coming back to those goaltenders when it comes to Calgary because the great equalizer in a series between Calgary and Colorado is Grubauer or Varlamov might be better than them too. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think Calgary could get by in that series with their offense. I don't think Colorado's defense can slow the top line down. Whereas I think Calgary can slow them down because they do have good defense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, and then Peter was the fuller brush salesman. Was that? Was it somebody selling? Was it was it somebody selling Amway products? No, no, no. It's the guy servicing the hot tub at the condo that we're at. <laughs> no, I, I when I said was the fuller brush guy back when I was a kid. People would used to go door to door and sell like you know brushes for your hair. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder there was a spread of cooties. <laughs> okay, wild card race: uh, Dallas at eighty-two, Colorado at eighty-one, um, Arizona 
the loss against the Islanders hurts them. They're at 79. They're all uh, Dallas is a game in hand uh, on Colorado, Minnesota, Arizona. Um, so, I mean, they're only one point ahead of the, of the uh, avalanche, but it, with that game in hand, they, they, you know, they could go ahead. I was just going to say, this is a big night because Winnipeg Dallas is at Winnipeg tonight and Nashville is playing Minnesota and Dallas and Minnesota need wins, but Winnipeg and Nashville need wins because they're still only four points ahead. Like a, a Nashville, like a Winnipeg win and a Minnesota win is going to be crushing for um, for Dallas and, and potentially Colorado, but also for Nashville. Like it could really mess things up. Um, the, there's a lot of scoreboard watching for tonight for the Central. Yeah, I mean, it, Russ, like I said, I watched a lot of the Arizona game. They simply could not beat Leonard. They could not score. They had power plays where they, you know, they're generating chances and they could not get the puck by by Leonard. Also, um, I don't love I don't love the the, the Demers pairing. Uh, I forget who he's paired with. Oligoski, isn't it? Oligoski. I don't like that pairing even a little bit. That that was a good pairing two, three years ago. I don't like it now. Mm. And so I think that's a weakness for them too. Yeah, um, Minnesota is Minnesota is sticking in there. Uh, I think now it's per, it's a bridge too far for Chicago, even though they have a game in hand. Uh, they're five points behind. I saw some like commentary on Twitter where uh, I, th- I think it was actually the Hawks Twitter that said, "If we beat Colorado, we're only down. We're only behind them by four points, and then they win in overtime." Is we're only behind by five points? It's like well, that point means a lot. Yeah, Chicago's cooked. I mean, I, I know people were getting a little excited there. Kane's having a great year. Taves has come back. They've made some good trades. They might be able to build off this in the offseason if they can get a free agent defenseman or two. They could maybe do something. They're going to have to buy somebody out. They're going to have to make some tough decisions if they really do want to make the playoffs. If they're going to wait some of these old guys out, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean – I. And by old guys, I mean Keith and Seabrook. Yeah, there's – I don't. I can't see a way how they get rid of him. I mean, especially Seabrook, almost seven million bucks for. I think it's another five years. That yeah. that is a that is a boat anchor. That they, that that is something you know that takes you to the bottom of the ocean. I I don't know how they get. You know, maybe they move Brandon Sod with a year left in his contract, but that's only cap relief for a year. Yeah. Well, is. they kind of are going year to year now, Chicago. That there's no other way. Well, they may, and this is the thing: they may trade Anisimov to create cap space to sign a guy like Strom to a long-term deal now. Because yeah. after this, they probably can get Strom signed to a four or five-year deal at you know, like in the five million dollar range, because they know he can be a number of an effective number two behind Taves. Um, but you know, Anisimov is basically you know uh, he's making I think four and a half, and he's more of a defensive center. And they may not have room to pay both of them because they they're spending their money elsewhere. So I mean that'll be interesting how how that plays out. Um, okay, let's talk about some of these signings with a lot of the a lot of teams, uh, a lot of NCA teams uh, finishing up their seasons. A lot of players are making uh, their decisions to uh, to either stay in college or to uh, leave for the NHL. Now I know that Bob McKenzie talked about 
And I think Pierre LeBron talked about Adam Fox, who's up for the Hobie Baker. And they're, you know, they're saying that there's nothing definitive right now regarding him leaving. And if he doesn't leave, if he stays for a senior season, then he goes down the VC track. Then he goes down. The- I don't think he will. I still think he's going right. to Right. No, no. I, I know, I know yeah. that you do. But I'm saying if he stays, then – it, even, if he, even if he stays, yeah, I still think he's going to sign with Carolina. I don't think he's going to go down the VC path. I don't. I mean, it would be strange, though, because, you know, Carolina, as we've talked about, they're loaded on defense. It's like it's going to be tough for well, him. To- today they're loaded. If, if it puts it off another year, Falk will be gone. Right. And, and they might trade Dougie Hamilton. And they might trade Dougie Hamilton. we got to remember, you know, Foxes may want to finish out his, his curriculum. Yeah. He is going to Harvard. You know, that's a real consideration for him. Sure. I don't know if it's more prestigious than going to Buffalo State College, but we'll see. Um, my brother went to BU, the other BU, and, you know, UAB they call it, and, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but th- three three names that uh, that decided – that decided to sign. Um, we'll start with Joel Farabee, who is apparently leaving Boston U. Well, everybody's leaving. That's right. And, and, and we'll sign with the Flyers. Now, you have some thoughts on this. Do you think it's not a good move for him? I mean, I get that he wants to leave BU because without Fabro and without Ottinger, it's going to be a tough year there. But he's in between. He's a tweener. He, he had a rough start to the season because – he went to a different, you know, jump up in a league that he wasn't really strong enough for. Mm-hmm. Second half was really good. Yes, he was he was just under a point a game. That's really good for college hockey. It's not completely dominant. I get he's won rookie of the year. I just saw him two weeks ago in the Beanpot Consolation game, and I did watch him over the weekend. He's do- He's not dominant at college hockey. He's not. And so I think he's in between here now. So it's going to depend on his summer training. I don't think he is a, you know, a hundred percent lock that you say he's a flyer to start next year. And he's 19, right? Or is he right now? He's 19. Okay. So he, he, he probably, if he has a birthday before December 31st, he he can go to February. Okay. So then he can't go to the AHL. So he's, that he's either going to go to the OHL or – And I, that's what I think is going to happen unless he has a really good summer of training right. is I think he'll go to the OHL and play more games. Right. That's what – if it were up to me, that's what I would recommend. But we'll see what happens, you know, see what he looks like over the summer. That's and, fine. And and the other BU guy was Dante, Dante Fabro, who is apparently going to sign with uh, Nashville. We've talked about that all year about Fabro yeah. and, and Nashville. And, you know, that might be another reason why they may trade a defenseman because, you know, next year Fabro could step right in and be one of their in, – in their top six. Maybe. Right now I'm questioning that. Right, right now I'm questioning that. He, he played a load of minutes for BU, which is great. They weren't a great team. I thought he he you know performed well when I saw him, but he wasn't superstar outstanding. Can't miss for the NHL ready yet. So to crack that Nashville lineup and to satisfy Laviolette, he's another one. Let's see what he looks like after the summer because I don't think he's a lock for next year. Now the one that uh, uh you know I was tracking for a couple years was Joseph Wall, who was a Leaf draft pick in 2016, played on Team USA uh, on their gold medal winner in 2017 and, la- and last year as well uh, at the World Juniors. Um, three years, three solid years at Boston College. He signs his ELC. I thought the in- interesting thing about this, Russ, is that they signed him and 
they're burning the first year. It's going to be he, he. So he's he's getting a three year entry level, and the first year is this year. So so he's it's only basically a two year deal, which I'm sure he used the leverage of I can go back and finish my senior season and go free agent, and they wanted him bad enough that they were amenable to burning a year of entry level. Yeah, I, I told you I thought that that's what would happen with him, and I wrote about it. If people want to go to EP Ringside. I wrote about just that on February 11th yeah. that um, that he was ready for that next step. So I wasn't surprised. I think this is a good move for the Leafs. We've talked about it off air. I said, I can't imagine it going down any other way. So that's a smart move. Yeah, and they're 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 solid in terms of their goaltending, their yeah. organizational goaltending depth with uh, with Anderson up top. Um, Sparks, I don't think is solid, but that's no. my personal. But now you have Wool and you have Ian Scott as yep. developmental goaltenders. I still think there's a possibility, and I wanted to bring this up to, with you, Peter, because uh, it was last week uh, we saw Nick Batan signed to a two-year extension by the Leafs, and as soon as I saw two years, I thought it smacked of something to do with the expansion draft. And to me, that was confirmed when I when I did a little research and saw that at the end of the two years, he's an RFA. All they had to do was qualify him, even though he might be yeah. willing to go to arbitration. And he qualifies as being eligible to be exposed for the expansion draft. So I think they like him, but I also think they, they traded for him and signed him so he could be one of the guys. They need to expose, I think, two forwards, one defenseman, and one goalie that met, met the certain parameters for yeah. the expansion draft. And I have a feeling that that's what's going to be uh, – that's, that's Patan's role is to be one of the guys who's going to qualify for expansion. Yeah, that makes sense, and and I think I don't think it's going to be hard for teams to to do that because, and I don't think it'll be like to to sign a player like a Batan for whoever needs to be able to needs that kind of kind of situation for the expansion draft simply because, um, one, gives them a job, right? Like right. you know, your agent's going to take you and say, look, and if you are picked up by Seattle, um, you get a fresh start and a fresh organization, and look at how it worked out for everyone in in Vegas. Right. You know, I think there's there's no downside for players who maybe have to take a deal like that, um, and they should. And 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 hopefully, you know, I, I think, I mean, look, it appears that Babcock sees the same thing in Patan as Maurice did, in that it's something doesn't fit for him, and and I'd like to see Nick Patan get a bit of a shot with the Leafs. I just, you know, it's a matter of whether Babcock wants to do something now that could help his team longer term by, by get letting, letting him play. I just don't know. I haven't paid attention much other than since I saw that deal, but it sort of appears that he's kind of in, in, in the same kind of zone that he was in in Winnipeg right now. Yeah. I think it's more thing that, that right now Babcock has got the choice of a lot of smaller forwards when, when he was looking for that bigger veteran guy to be added at the deadline. I think that's like sort of the, the philosophical divide, as I've called it, is the crux of the situation between between Dubis and Babcock is the fact that, you know, and Patan is sort of symbolic of that because he's a five foot nine speedy skilled forward. And I'm sure Babcock wants a six foot two banger crasher along the boards um, in the, in the playoffs against Boston, but he's not going to get that. And I, you know, I, I didn't want to bring this up, but I'll bring it up because I think it's going to be uh, something to watch during the playoffs. John Tavares gets cross checked in the crease by Mark Stahl on Saturday and nobody did 
anything. And honestly, it's like you cannot allow your star players to be abused. And you know that Chara at Marchand, that Bergeron, that Bacchus, that these guys will tear your heart out if they have to win. And I, I don't know whether the Leafs will – I th you know, the, the word pushback has been used over and over by me uh, when it comes to them and other teams. And it's like I think it's, I think it's valid to bring up because I think that that is valuable when it comes to the playoffs. You can't allow your star players to be pushed around without somebody pushing the other side back. Yeah, so. it, it's – look, like, take away the idea of, of sort of the physical aspect of things. And I think you just hit it right on the head, Mike. And, and you, Boston is a team with some major pit bulls in it, right? Guys who just rip your heart out if you give them a chance. Like, you know, and, and, and they're not trying, you know, and, and sometimes it'll be dirty, other times it won't, but they just play with a level of intensity to that side. Who on the Leafs plays that way? And, the, and and I can think of one name, and I really haven't seen it this year. Calgary. Yeah. Where has that side of his game been this season? Well, he's been sort of neutered because his role as a checking forward to be going up against the number one center uh, for the other team has sort of been downplayed. He's now the third-line center. They usually match up Tavares against the other team's number one center, and then Matthew sometimes. Kadri's been basically – I think they want Kadri to generate offense to be more of a threat on the third line. And but you know, he, he was 30 goals as a checker, and then this year he's – they think they're expecting secondary. That's how he got his goals. He made life hell yeah. for everyone. That's what he does so well. And I think, you know, come the playoffs, maybe you got to throw Kadri out there and let him go get under Bergeron's skin and just drive him mental. Like that's the kind of thing, like that's the kind of tactical decisions that, you know, you've got to allow coaches have to be open to because frankly, like, yes, but Kadri's great. And, and you know, what? he had 30 goals last year. I picked him in my hockey pool and I've just been pissed about it because it's not been the same guy. And it's like, you know, having Tavares, having Tavares in, like, so you want Tavares to match up against the other team's top center. That's fine. Tavares, that isn't really what Tavares does well. I mean, he's had a great season. Let's not let's not shoot down what he's done, but that's what Kadri does really well, and he did it really well last year. I'd like to see more of it. A uh, couple things. Uh, Michael Kempney, uh, Todd Reardon, the coach of the uh, Capitals, says Michael Kempney, who was a late season acquisition last year and helped the Caps win their Stanley Cup, um, he is going to be out long term. They're not specifying the type of injury it is. But, you know, Russ, they, they made the deal to get Jensen, and that solidified their top yeah. six. But now if Kempney's out long term, then – then you're talking about like guys like Siegenthaler and Christian Juice yeah. stepping in, stepping in, and uh, for for Kempney. That's that's a little bit of a drop off. I'm not saying that they can't do it, but I'm saying it's a little bit of a drop off for them. It is. I mean, look, Christian Juice did play some in the Stanley Cup too, right? So, sure. um, I think it isn't going to be serious. I, I'm pretty sure it was an LBI, and so I'm pretty sure it was a knee, and I think that's why they're just going to wait him out, and he'll play in the playoffs. I'm sure. Well, I mean, he's saying long term, so I don't know if you know. Maybe, maybe this is the fog of war before the playoffs, and he's. Well, turning. I don't know if it's the fog of war, but long term, like now till middle of the first round, is is pretty long. Like it all depends what your definition of long is. 
Yeah. Um, and I just saw this on Reddit and I think this is a little humorous. I think Rasmus Dahlin is smart and he knows he knows what to say in Buffalo in terms of what will make him even more popular oh, yeah. here. Uh, he, he was asked if he had to be traded today, which team he would want to go to. He says, I want to stay with Buffalo, but I'll answer it like this. Anything but Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, it's the, I can tell you because I live here, the inferiority complex that the city of Buffalo has about Toronto is palpable. It, it's a, it, it was, yeah. it was, it was president. It was present when they, a lot of people thought the bills were going to move to Toronto so much so that they were willing to take some idiot named Trump as the owner. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and also, um, you know, even though the Sabres have had more success and have gotten to two Stanley cup finals in 75 and 99, they had, you know, had a pretty decent success in their 49 year career. Um, they still have an inferior inferiority complex when it comes to the Leafs, even though the Leafs have been a disaster for most of those 50 years. So I, I, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can't understand the psyche of, of uh, some of the, some of the sports fans or people in the area. But whatever. Look, the Leafs haven't been disaster, Mike. They've just been planning the parade route for a long time. That's all. Well, it, those plans should be shelved until they actually have a team good enough to even imagine being in the in the Stanley Cup Finals, let alone winning one. All right. Um, oh, so wait, wait, wait. Are you guaranteeing they're not going to the Stanley Cup this year? They're not going. They're not. I don't. I right. I I will not make my prediction until we have our, our prediction show uh, for the first round. But I will say, I don't think they're beating the Bruins. So if they're not beating the Bruins. They're not going to the Stanley Cup final. So that's true. Yeah, I can put that together. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll cut it short. We'll cut it short right there. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Uh, remember, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.